Welcome to Living Wisely, Living Well, Timeless Wisdom to Enrich Every Day with Asha Nayaswamy, one of the spiritual directors of Ananda Palo Alto and a founding member of Ananda Worldwide. If you enjoy this content and are inspired by the teachings of Paramahansa Yogananda and his disciple Swami Kriyananda, find Asha on YouTube, Facebook, all podcast directories, and her website, ashajoy.org. Living Wisely, Living Well, May 18th. When presenting your ideas, illustrate them with familiar examples. The closer to home, the easier they will be to understand. Children, for example, are often told the pleasant myth that there is a pot of gold at the end of every rainbow. Show them how to test the truth of this claim. Suggest they dig at the end of the rainbow which appears in the spray of a garden sprinkler. Could there really be gold there? Tell them, dig there and see for yourselves. Now, I usually read these before I have to speak about them, and when I read this one, I just thought, oh dear, what am I supposed to do with this? It's like, Swamiji, this seems very uncharacteristic. I wish he were here. He passed away in 2013, so I can't protest. During the years that I knew him, I could have said, Sir, do you really want to teach children that there's no pot of gold at the end of the rainbow? That seems like such a sad, mean thing to do. Why would you want to do that? In other circumstances, Swamiji speaks rather kindly about what he calls the pleasant myths of childhood. And he talks about himself in his autobiography, I believe it is. He talks about his father and himself, and he was a young boy of a certain age, I don't know, certainly under 10, probably six or seven. And he said he'd been thinking about one of the great mysteries of childhood, which is how is it possible for Santa to visit every child's home on Christmas Eve? I mean, how does he get everywhere just in that one night? And there's the whole question of the chimney and what if there's not a chimney? And if Santa is really that fat, how does he get down the chimney? And you can see that there's plenty plenty of things for a thoughtful child to have to figure out. So Swami had been thinking it all through. And so he finally says to his father, Daddy, there is no Santa Claus, is there? And Swamiji said he felt his father struggle between the desire to keep alive as long as possible the pleasant myths of childhood and his father's inherent quality of absolute truthfulness. Now, I can't remember at the moment exactly what his father said, but I think Swami said his father hedged his bet a little bit. But Swamiji, he said, as a child, realized that there was no Santa Claus, but that he preferred to believe in Santa Claus. And Swamiji even writes, as an adult man writing the book, he said, and I still do. And in many different ways, Swami would talk about, you know, that there's there's an expansive reality to uh, helping children maintain their imaginative world because it, it, it gives them flexibility of consciousness. And there's a lot of times there's more truth to myths. Um, there, the truth of myths is often more than the facts. It gives children an open-ended, expansive sense of the possibilities of life and to bring them down to a com- compelling, factual reality too soon is not at all good for their hearts, minds, or spirits. So why Swamiji chose the example here of setting up a sprinkler and showing them the rainbow? 
and forcing them to dig where you know there's no pot of gold so they can be wonderfully disappointed. It's a terrible example as far as I'm concerned. And if, if Swami were still here, I would recommend he would change the book, you know, to something else. So I'm going to try to find what positive thing is he trying to say. What he's trying to say is, when presenting your ideas, illustrate them with familiar examples. The closer and the more um, identifiable and practical they are, the more effective you'll be. So he chose an example that's very effective because everyone knows you can just dig at the bottom and you're never going to find it. Most of the times you can't find the end of the rainbow because when you get to where it appears to be, your angle on the light is going to be different and it won't be there. So his idea of the sprinkler is a way to make it happen. But what he's actually saying, which is very valid, exceedingly valid for children, is that you need to teach children how to think clearly about what is true and what isn't. And, and you need to teach children, it's very important to teach children, I'll say even more, it's very helpful to children to, to, tra- to um, train them, that's the word I wanted to use, to train them to look for the truth in every situation and not merely take somebody else's word for it or allow sloppy thinking to become habitual. You know, if, if there's a concrete question and there's a real way to find out what the answer is, let's try to find out. Or even if it's just a matter, <coughs> or not even if, but in if it's a matter of human experience, let's find out, you know, whether or not by paying attention to our own experience or doing the experiment, let's find out really what the result is. Um, I, I saw one of those, you know, little darling little Um, Actually, it wasn't that. It was somebody was telling me, honestly, about their own child. The child was having a very bad day. And the child finally said, Mommy, I need a nap. Just like that. And so often, you know, when you try to put children to bed in the middle of the day, they they don't want to go to bed. And you tell them that, you know, you'll, you'll be happier if you take a nap. No, I won't be. No, I won't be. And as they get crabbier and crabbier, as they get tired, proving to you that they don't need a nap, so when the child finally says, Mommy, I need a nap, it's because the child's own experience has taught them that I need a nap. So the next time they say, I don't want to take a nap, you say, but remember, you get very unhappy because you get so tired. But if you sleep, you stay in a good mood all, all the rest of the afternoon. Oh, yeah. So, I mean, even from the very beginning, we want to help children to think things through and to do the necessary experiment and find out what's true. And this is what Swami is suggesting there. And he's saying, whenever you present your ideas, illustrate them with tangible examples that people can have access to. One of the great uh, conundrums on the spiritual path, which philosophers and saints have dealt with since the beginning of time, which is, uh, why did God make the world? And the the Indian answer, the answer of Sanatana Dharma, which is poetic, is God made creation and made all of us so he could enjoy himself through many, is how it's put. And Swami's cynical answer is, well, he doesn't seem to be enjoying himself through very many because of all the suffering in the world. Because the uh, corollary to why did the corollary question, the obvious next question, is, is why is there suffering? Why does so much difficulty come to people? Why did God make the world the way he made it? Well, there's lots of different ways to 
um, answer that. Swami Vivekananda's answer was a very good one, I thought. The level of consciousness which asks the question is not capable of understanding the answer. In other words, if you're on a vibration of awareness where you even are, are in a dilemma of it, you simply cannot have the perspective that can help you see it from the divine point of view. Swamiji's answer in, uh, uh, to the question, it's, he, he, he put it this way. He said, you know, the, the nature of the divine is Satchitananda, ever-existing, ever-conscious, ever-new bliss. That's, that's the word for God that is the most dynamic. Ever-existing, ever-conscious, ever-new bliss. The nature of God is bliss. And it is the nature of bliss to want to share itself. Now that also is like, well, yeah, but... But then Swamiji, and this was his, to my mind, among many qualities of his genius as a teacher, he could take a very abstract idea and he could bring it down to something that you could really understand. It's the nature of bliss to want to share itself. God made creation in order to share his joy with all. And then Swami said, if you, if you discover a good restaurant that your friends don't know about, what is the first thing you do? Well, nowadays, because of email, you send out a note to everybody that you know. Nowadays, you can take a picture of it and even show, this is the dessert, this was the main dish, this is my friend enjoying their dinner, this is the whole room, because it's exciting. This is a wonderful, fun thing that I've discovered, and now all of you can come. You read a good book, you go to a good movie, you discover a new hiking trail, you buy a car that works out really terrifically for you, you see a real good deal on colored t-shirts somewhere, it makes you happy, and you tell others about it. Because my joy is greater when I can share it. I've been in, I was in the position once where I was, I was privileged to experience something that was extremely uplifting spiritually, but for various reasons, I, I had to keep it a secret. It was complicated and it had to do with the fact that we were in litigation and various things like that. And it was so frustrating for me, even as I was enjoying it. It was a film that other people hadn't seen. It was a film of Yogananda, which was a very rare thing in those days. But I was in a place where I was able to see it, but I couldn't invite anyone and I couldn't even really tell anyone. And even as I was watching it, my experience of enjoyment was, was greatly diminished because I didn't have the opportunity to share it. If I had known that I could have immediately shared it, I could have just let myself go in enjoying it. I mean, this, it makes perfect sense, doesn't it, from the human level. And as above, so below. And so we can imagine the consciousness of the Spirit at least in principle, it makes sense to us. And this is what it is that we're wanting to teach children. You know, I have this toy. I want to play with it. My friend wants to play with it. Instead of letting him play with it, I bash him over the head and run away with it. Well, how is that working for you? You know, what happened the next time when you wanted to play with that child? Well, now you're weeping because he won't play with you. Gosh, I wonder why he won't play with you. Do you think it had anything to do with the fact that you punched him in the face when he wanted to play with you? Oh, yeah. Let's think about the results of our own experience. And when we're trying to talk to people as much as possible, try to think in terms of something that they have already experienced or could experiment with. 
many times through the course of these suggestions from Swamiji, I've, I've phrased it exactly like this. Why don't you experiment with this? Why don't you test this out and see how it works for you? When I was first introduced to the idea of reincarnation, it didn't seem foreign to me, um, past life experience, I'm sure. But at the same time, I, I, I needed to make it my own, and I did an experiment. I, I started viewing my life from, from the lens of the possibility that all of us, that this was not our first incarnation, that many incarnations had preceded this. And I started trying to explain situations that otherwise seemed anomalous to me in terms of reincarnation. In other words, it was only a thought experiment because I didn't have the capacity either to remember or to reincarnate at will. But I did the thought experiment. Ah, if there were reincarnation, that might explain why this person had this run of bad luck or why that person was born so talented or why I have this instant affinity with this person and why... That person, I'm very, very nervous about them, even though I've had no experience in this life with them. And over a period of time, I don't even remember now if it was months or years, it's just I did the thought experiment of reincarnation, and an enormous amount that had made no sense to me began to make perfect sense. It was just as simple as that. And I just persuaded myself because I, didn't, I neither rejected nor accepted mindlessly. I neither mindlessly rejected nor mindlessly accepted, but I did the experiment in the quest for truth. And the closer we can bring that experiment to our own um, life, when we're either talking to other people in the abstract or trying to think about it ourselves, then everything begins to make so much better sense. I remember when I went to Greece, which I've, I think I've only visited Greece once, and we were in Athens, and we went up to uh, the Parthenon. Is that what it's called? I always get confused between the one in Rome and the one, the Acropolis there. And there was, a, you know, the ruins of a temple there. I, as soon as I stepped onto that ground, I was so happy. I just felt so joyful there. And it wasn't, there was nothing inherent. And it was very difficult for me to leave that place. Very difficult. And I just, I did the thought experiment. It, it felt like home to me. And whatever incarnation I believe I had there, I was so happy there that I, I really did not want to leave. True? Not true? I don't know. But conduct the experiment and see what your intuition and your intellect tells you. Become a serious truth seeker and be open-minded and interested in every possibility, but neither mindlessly accept nor mindlessly reject. So Swami says... When presenting your ideas, illustrate them with familiar examples. The closer to home, the easier they will be to understand. Children, for example, are often told the pleasant myth that there is a pot of gold at the end of every rainbow. Show them how to test the truth of this claim. Suggest they dig at the end of the rainbow, which appears in the spray of a garden sprinkler. Could there really be gold there? Tell them, dig, and see for yourselves. Joy to you, my friends. Our work is made possible by inspired listeners. So if you feel to support Asha, you can make a one-time donation or for unique members-only content, subscribe through Patreon. Blessings and thank you.